This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Today we are going to celebrate Jesus, and it's our series on relationships. And so while celebrating Him, I want to couple that with our relationship with Jesus. We've had some really good messages on different types of relationships, but today exclusively our relationship with Jesus. I have a tradition that in our family, we have several traditions, and you know, family traditions are a good thing. Some traditions have been bad, as we have learned, but there are good traditions that you can have in your family. For example, when I came in the 1970s, I was very surprised that I couldn't buy a loaf of bread around the 25th of December. Because if you're that old and you can remember, all the bread went to the rural area because when the people wanted to celebrate Jesus, they would take bread and instead of the child having one or two slices, They could have three or four or five slices that day to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And I was kind of, wow. And so I filled my truck with bread and started taking it out to the very poor rural areas. And we would give every child a loaf of bread. My little boys went with me. It became a tradition. We have done that every year now for over 35 years and still do it. And my children grew up doing it, and my grandchildren grew up doing it. And now that they're in America because of school, they'll say, oh, Dad, we missed the bread feeding, we missed the bread feeding. But it did something to them. Giving somebody who needed, who didn't have, just a loaf of bread, one by one, and seeing the look on the children's faces, changed my children and my grandchildren. So in your family, you need good traditions that our family does this. Our family always does that. Another tradition that I I love is at this time of year, whenever I'm asked to speak and I want to describe Jesus and talk about him, I'm old now. I'm 78. I feel old. But there's a lovely old black pastor in America who can tell you about Jesus far better than I can. And because we are celebrating Jesus today, I want you to watch and I want you to listen. And I want you to hear the words as we pray, that's my king. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. 
He's immortally graceful. He's impurely powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent and he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. Yes, he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! That's my king. That's my king. Amen. Hallelujah. And I guess the wonderful thing about it is that he's with his king now. I guess that's what we all look forward to. And so we're going to talk about Jesus, and we're going to talk about ourselves and our relationship with him. And I want to go back to the beginning and talk about Jesus from the beginning, and then I want us to go back and talk about ourselves and our relationship starting at the beginning. It's, it's good to know where you started, and so you can see where you are now. And so I think the very best way of explaining or showing the beginning of Jesus is one of our favorite songs, Mary Did You Know. Ooh, 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 ooh
to talk about Jesus from the very beginning, <clears throat> the person that we love more than anyone else in the whole world, the one who's number one in your life, the one that makes everything that is around you important because Jesus is in it and Jesus is involved, the one that causes you to love your family because God loved you. I think that our old pastor describes him better than I could in any words. The all-complete Jesus, the one we love. And we start in the beginning and God said he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes shall live and be saved. Can I have our first picture? I decided to trace the beginning of Jesus. 
How many of you know who this is? Simple question, not a trick. Who is that? Who can tell me who he is? Come on. You will recognize and say, well, that's Jesus. I want a relationship with Jesus. And so if I'm going to have a really good, true relationship, I have to really know who he is and not just what's on the outside. And so I traced back, I did hours of research on this. First of all, this is not a picture of Jesus. I, I think we pretty well have to let that be a given because the whole world says this is Jesus. And so it's going to have to just be a, a given. Well, if that's what they think, that's what it is. But this house has more knowledge than the rest of the world, and we want to really know. And so put up my first scripture there, please. 1 Corinthians eleven fourteen, where Paul was admonishing the church at Corinth. Do not even maturity itself teach you, does not even maturity itself teach you, that if a man has long hair, it's a shame unto him. The Jewish people did not have long hair. So all of a sudden now we can give that picture a haircut and take that off. And then I went back to find the earliest pictures I could of Jesus. The earliest resemblances. And can we have the first picture? This is the oldest that you can possibly get that said this was a picture of Jesus. And I want you to notice clearly Jesus was brown. I want you to know him. I want you to have a relationship. If, if you've got a mask in front of someone's face, you can't have a relationship. You have to strip it off and know the real person. And this earliest picture, Jesus was brown. And then I searched and searched the internet, and I found the picture of Jesus with the 12, 12 apostles. Again, Twelve brown people. So, this is the Jesus that we're going to have a relationship with. Where did everything come from? 360 years after Jesus died... And if you remember the story of Jesus, Rome had conquered Israel and Rome was in charge and it actually was the Roman soldiers who crucified Jesus. And so 360 years after Jesus died, there was a Roman emperor by the name of Constantine. And Constantine was in a battle and Rome was losing badly 
You'll remember that Rome was killing Christians. They built a great Colosseum and they would get together to celebrate and drink and send the Christians into the middle of the Colosseum and let the lions loose and watch lions tear them apart. They would take the children and tie them on poles to make light at night and soak them with paraffin or whatever it was at that time and light them on fire and let the bodies of Christian children light up the arena while Christians were being buried, I mean eaten in the middle of that Colosseum. And so Rome was losing. And somehow, this Emperor Constantine, losing that battle, went to bed one night, and he had a dream. And in his dream, they painted the Christian cross of Jesus, which was outlawed at the time Christianity was outlawed, painted it on the front of all the shields of the Roman warriors, and they went into battle, and they totally annihilated the enemy that they were losing to. And all of a sudden, the tables turned, and Constantine, who was the emperor of Rome, made a decree that all of Rome will now be Christian. Every other religion out, we are now Christians, and Christianity moved into Rome under Constantine. Constantine was also the emperor, and he made himself in charge of the church. He didn't get born again. Don't, don't misunderstand me. He didn't find Jesus as his savior. He just declared every Roman is now a Christian, and the Roman universal or Catholic Church was born under Constantine. Now Rome had four gods. Can we have the next picture? And you will see them there. These are the Roman gods that the Romans worshipped. Zeus, Apollo, Juniper, I mean, and Neptune. I want you to notice the gods were white because Rome was white. Rome was in Italy. Do we have any Italian descendants here today? If they put up their hand, you would see the Italians are white. <laughs> and so their four gods were white gods. And their four gods had long hair because that is what made them godly to have that long hair that gave them the authority that elevated them. And that has trickled down today to how many have seen one of our high court judges on television wearing the same long hair as those four guys. How many years later to show that they have the authority. And so, Jesus, in order to be elevated in Rome, had to have long hair. And so the first pictures of Jesus, they added the long hair. 
Constantine took over the Catholic Church and brought everyone in. And then 1,500 years passed. 1,500 years when the church grew in Rome. It spread in Rome. It spread out of Rome. All under Constantine. All under Roman rule. And not only did they have four gods. They had statues. Now the Ten Commandments says not to make any graven images. So we don't have statues. But Constantine, who wasn't born again, who wasn't necessarily following the Ten Commandments, put himself in charge. And the next thing we know, every church had a statue of Jesus on the cross bleeding. Every church had a statue of Mary holding baby Jesus. Every church had a statue of one of the 12 apostles. And then when they needed more statues than that, they started to invent. They started to make saints. Saints out of people. And so they would pray to the statues. They would pray to the saints. And one of their favorite saints is St. Christopher, who protects you when you're driving. He wasn't even one of the apostles. And Catholic people have got a little medallion they hang in their car and they say, St. Christopher is going to protect me now because I have his medallion hanging in my car. Wasn't it interesting that in 1,500 years, they could move so far away from what Jesus is really all about? Now he's a statue with long hair. And now it's not him who protects you. It's St. Christopher. It's not him that watches over you with his angels. It's all the statues. And it has deteriorated down to just about that. Then there was a need for a picture of Jesus. So 1,500 years ago, because it's about 3,000 years, and it's about 1,500 years after Jesus died... Leonardo da Vinci, a famous white Italian artist, painted a picture of the Last Supper. And this is the picture of the Last Supper. And isn't it amazing that all of a sudden now, every one of them are white guys. And even though in 1 Corinthians it tells us that Simon the Apostle was black, it's right there in your scriptures. There's not a single black face there. And now we go back to the original picture of Jesus that we first showed. And this is Leonardo da Vinci, the white Italian artist's concept of what Jesus had to look like. You couldn't be more white. You couldn't have blonder hair because we're Italian and we want him to look like us. I don't want to destroy your faith in Jesus. I just want you to realize we're going to have the right relationship with the right guy here. And so we're born again and we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and I'm going to start back at the beginning.
First, you accept him as your savior. Do you remember? Do you remember it? it for me, it's been, oh, gee, I'm 78, and I was probably eight years old, 70 years ago, maybe. But I remember when I first got saved, how wonderful it was. How wonderful everything felt. I couldn't wait for the doors of the church to open. And now we can't get you here on Sunday night. Every service, I was there. Everything that was said about Jesus, I took it into my heart. And I began a relationship with him. Do you remember when you fell in love for the first time way back? And when you saw her, I have to say it from the man's point of view. I saw Sharon walking at a gospel retreat, her beautiful long hair flowing in the breeze, and I trembled all over. And I thought, wow, if only I could meet her. Who do I know that knows her? How could I, how could I get a chance to meet her? And, and I'm shaking inside. Come on, you remember. Pastor Vic, you remember, with, don't you, falling in love. And then I'm standing by my car, and here comes this vision of loveliness walking towards my car. And she walks up and says, are you Danny Curl? And I said, yes. And she said, my name is Sharon. And God is calling me to Africa. Hallelujah. <laughs> when I would hear her voice on the phone, and if I'd call and say, hello, just has to say hello. <laughs> Come on, you know it. You did it. Don't make me feel like I'm the only guy here. The voice got you stirred up and excited. Just a phone call. And now, 10 years later, and I'm just being truthful, 15 years later, the phone rings and you, the new phones tell you who it is. And you say, oh, it's my wife. What does she want now? What happened to that excitement that you had? What happened to the butterflies that you had? Why did you let it die? And now I want to compare that with our relationship with Jesus. What happened to those first few years when you were so excited and all you wanted to think about was Jesus? And you started your relationship. I'm going to ask my son, Emmanuel, to help me with this illustration. If you would step up. So as you begin to grow with Jesus... attend the services, study his word, the first thing you begin to hear about was tithing. Tithing? 
I found him as my Savior, and that was really great because I was getting everything. It was good for me. Now you want something from me? 10%? And if you make $200 a month, that's $20? If I give this $20, the devil says to you, you're not going to have bus fare to last the whole month. You're not going to have food at the end of the month. And so because you have a relationship and because you listen to the word of God, you stretch yourself and, uh, all right, here, I'm, do I have to? All right. I, okay, there's 20. And I've only got 180. And the days begin to pass. And the end of the month came. And I got bus fare. Come on, you, you experienced this. And I got food. And I got a bit extra. And my goodness, 180 went further than the 200 ever did. And all of a sudden, I'm receiving the blessings of God. And the devil will say to you, but he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He don't need your $20. He doesn't need your $20 or your $200 or your $2,000, whatever your tithe is. He doesn't need it. You need to give it. Tithing is not for him. Tithing is for you. And you realize that, whoa, okay, I, I, I'm going to tithe and now you won't miss it. The end of the month comes. Now you're happy. Raise your hand for the offering. Let's see your offering. And you're happy to give it because over here still. You're starting to be a tither. And you're starting to see God's blessing. And you've got a relationship now that grows beyond tithing because you begin to trust him. You trust him with your 20 and it works. I can trust him with other things. I, I can believe him to heal me. But the relationship begins to expand. Yeah. And then we called it back when I was young, we called it tithing. And then Pastor Tom is preaching and you hear of step number two. Seed faith giving. Now, we didn't call it seed faith giving when I was young. We called it sacrificial giving. It's the same thing. During the 70s, Oral Roberts started his TV programs, and Oral Roberts began to call it seed faith giving, and somehow that phrase caught on, and now everybody has a seed. And, and I'm not saying it's wrong. It's right. It's right. We just called it sacrificial giving. And so now this is different. This is not tithing. This is you trusting God for something. Because I'm going to give this to God and, and I'm just going to leave it in his hands. I'm going to trust him. And so you stretch yourself a little further and you're moving over here now and you stretch yourself and this is a big amount.
And then the Bible says he returns it unto us, packed down, shaken together, and overflowing. And all of a sudden, those things that you are trusting God for begin to appear. Or your child wins a scholarship. Or you get a raise. Or you get a promotion. Or you find money in the mail. Or stocks and bonds. All those things that we say from time to time start to happen because you're sacrificially given and you're now receiving the blessing from seed faith giving. Seed faith giving is a real thing. Now you're on the level of seed faith giving. A new relationship. First it was tithing, and you receive the benefits. When you put your tithe in, you got all the benefits right here, now, today. When you put your seed faith in, you got all the benefits right here, now, today. To enjoy, to have. God wants you to have. He wants you to have a nice car. He wants you to have a nice home. He wants you to have food. He wants you to have good clothes. He wants those things for you. There's nothing wrong. I'm not suggesting to the contrary. It's a relationship. Now it's a relationship of trust. But back when I was young, we went a little further than that. Let me sort out these papers. The next scripture, please. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God. Now you stretched for your tithe and you stretched for your seed faith. And now it's number three in your relationship with God. It isn't a tithe. It isn't a seed. It's me presenting my body as a sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable service. All of my talent, all of my ability, all of my potential, all of my future is in this offering plate. My wallet, my bank account, my wardrobe, my groceries, my home, my car, my time, everything is here now presenting my body as a living sacrifice unto God. That's the third step in the relationship. Tithing changed your life. Seed faith giving changed your life. I want you to know that Presenting yourself and giving it all. My business. I tithe off it, yes. I give seed faith off of it, yes. I give it. I give it all. All that I am belongs to him. And when you tithed, you got your blessing. And when you got your seed faith, 
you got your blessing. You can put it down and go down. And now when you give it all to God, everything is blessed. Everything is blessed. My bank account is blessed. My wallet is blessed. My house, my car, everything is blessed. Because I have given it unto God. But there's a, a difference between these two, stage one and two, and step number three. And we have a scripture of the rich young ruler in Mark 10, 21. You know the story, the rich young ruler had came to Jesus and he said, Lord, everything I have done from my birth. He had tithed and he had got blessed, so he'd become rich. He had given seed faith, so he was blessed and he had become richer. And now he came to Jesus and he said, all of these things I have done and I have given. What more can I do? And I want you to notice there, Jesus beholding him loved him. This guy, the things I've heard preached about this sometimes really grieve me. I would be happy if Jesus would say, Danny, I love you. And he says this. He said to him, I love you. Why did he love him? Because he kept the law. He did his tithe. He did his seed faith. And out of love, Jesus said, one thing that you are missing is treasure in heaven. Because when you tithe, you get it here. And, and, and it's in your house now. And when you give your seed faith, you have it here and now. And, and you're rich now. And everything is blessed now. So you got rewarded on earth. But he said, you don't have any treasure in heaven. And out of love, he told them, take care of the poor, the widows, and the orphans. That is your treasure in heaven. Find my glasses here. So, I want to read a portion of scripture. Matthew 25, 35. Ten verses. If you've got a real Bible, you can turn to it. It's probably one of the most important portions of Scripture there is in the Word of God. And I want to tell you that in the Word of God, Jesus referred to the fatherless, the widows, the orphans, 34 times in Scripture. It wasn't casually mentioning it. It was Jesus harping on it over and over and over again, trying to get it into his disciples' hearts. And I'm going to read from the beginning. For I was hungry, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous say unto him, Lord, 
When did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty or give you drink? When were you a stranger and we took you in or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we you sick or in prison and we came to you? And the Lord shall answer, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of my brethren, you have done it unto me. Then shall he say also to them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed. Whoa, that's strong. On the left hand, depart from me, you cursed. Into every last, everlasting fire prepared for the devil. For I was hungry, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you clothed me not. Sick and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they answer, saying, Lord, when saw we hung thee hungry, or strange, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and minister unto you? Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye did not do it for one of the least, ye did not do it unto me. The most important thing in this scripture is I. I. Jesus didn't say there were people in prison and you didn't visit them. He said, I was in prison. He didn't say there were people that were hungry and you didn't feed them. He said, I was hungry. He didn't say they were homeless, abandoned. You didn't take them in. He said, I was homeless. I had no clothing. I had no blankets. I had no bread. I had no place to sleep. And you never did it for me. I'm running out of time halfway through here, but I'm going to end quickly. There are people who have always said they had a vision of Jesus. And I often wondered what they thought he looked like. And I wonder what he looks like today. Seriously, what does he look like today? What do you think Jesus looks like today? I'm going to give you the answer because it's right in that scripture. What does he look like today? He doesn't have long hair. He doesn't have white skin. He said, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. You have seen him. All of you have seen him. I have seen him. I have seen him many times. I can tell you where to find him. He's standing on the chase with a white cane in his head and a little boy leading him and he comes to your car and you close the window. He comes in the form of a little child at the side and he puts out his hand and he's ragged and he said, I don't have anything. If you haven't been coming in the evening and listening to 
Pastor Franz, you're missing some valuable gems. He is phenomenal. He will be there tonight. You must come. Last Sunday, I wrote down what he said. You have to be responsible for every word that comes out of your mouth. And when you say, I don't have it, you give the devil license to come in and take away from you so that you don't have it. And when you say to that blind one or the child or the beggar, I don't have it, the devil says, I'm taking you at your word and you don't have it. And Jesus was standing there all the time and you failed to see him. If you can get into your spirit the knowledge that every time you give, you are giving personally to Jesus, it'll change your life. I feed widows. I give roller meal. I give blankets in the wintertime. I give bread, school fees. And it's not about Danny giving. It's not about me at all. Because everyone I give to is Jesus. And now, if we have the next picture, I'll show you a picture of Jesus. This is a picture of Jesus. Two months ago, she came past the front of my car. She was carrying a whole armful of these. You're seeing this pot off a tree. And she had them in her arm and she went past the front of the car because I had pulled over because I had received a phone call and I wanted to pay attention to the phone call. But, but there's no coincidences with a man of God and a woman of God. It's a divine appointment. And I said to my son, take this plastic bag and give it to her so she doesn't drop them. She was dropping them. And, and then she had no English. And I said, what, what is that for? she was starving and she was going to try to soak these cook them and eat them and she had a little grandchild and I love it in English better than Shona flower of God is her name Ruvarashi isn't it flower of God and so we followed her and I had extra food with me and went to her house and see a little flower of God who was covered with ringworms. Couldn't even see any hair and thin. And we gave her food. And I said, I'm going to feed you every week as long as I'm on this earth. Now, two months after that, I took someone I really love, Pastor Rutendo, with me to meet some of my widows and pray with them. And when we first got there, the first widow, this little girl, grabbed a hand of Pastor Rotendo and wouldn't let her go. When we were trying to go to the car, the kid was pulling her down because that sweet spirit she had, and, and they just could sense that something about Pastor Rotendo that they, they wanted to hang on to. It's the love of God. It's the love of Jesus that flows out of you. She finally let go, and when we got there, 
she has no English and I was so happy I wanted Pastor Rutendo to pray for her. I was shocked. She told Pastor Rutendo she has had 10 children and all 10 are dead. I haven't lost one. I can't imagine losing one. My heartbreak. Some of you know that heartbreak. But imagine being the mother sitting at the crying casket 10 times until no one is left but her little grandchild. And now covered with ringworm and starving, she crossed in front of my car and I saw Jesus walk past my car. Open your eyes, beloved. Open your eyes. You gotta have better eyes than that. You can't just see a blind. You can't just see a poor child. You have to see Jesus. It's a relationship with him. She asked Pastor Rutendo, what was my name? Because she wanted to pray for me every day by name. They call me pastor. She wanted more than pastor. She knew my name. And to find out she loves the Lord. And she was praying for a miracle. Praying, looking for God to supply her need. Looking for God to provide food. And I was the miracle. Treasure in heaven. And when you're over here just about done and you give somebody your jacket I remember the first time I gave my favorite jacket to one of our pastors in Zaka Pastor Chirema said to me oh what happened to your favorite jacket I said no Jesus is wearing it in Zaka But I didn't do it to get 10 back. That, that's, the, that's the overflowing over here, the tithing. And that's the seed faith giving packed down and overflowing. Over here, I don't want anything back. I want my jacket to go to heaven. But instead, he gives you more so that I can give more jackets. And I gave away a Peugeot to one pastor. And I gave away a VW to another pastor. And by miracle, I got a Mercedes, and I hadn't put the two and two together. And I was driving a brand new Mercedes. It was a miracle. Eight months after having it, I want to tell you something. When your life is here, you can hear from God very clearly. You can hear his voice. You know when he's talking to you, when your whole life is surrendered. Give it away. And I gave it away, eight months old. Pastor Tremor said, where's your white Mercedes? I said, Jesus is driving it in Bulawayo. I believe that. I want to get that into you, treasure in heaven. If you know, it's no, pr I can give this away right now because I'm giving it to Jesus. The least is him. I was naked. I was hungry. 
And God gave me a yellow Mercedes. And I gave the yellow one away to Jesus. And someone's driving that in Shabani. And he gave me a champagne. I love that one. A really big champagne one. And I gave that away. And then he gave me a blue one. And I gave that away. Don't you see the relationship? I still tithe and I'm still blessed. I still give seed faith. And I'm still blessed. But this is a different relationship. Step number three. Yes, he just keeps pouring it on me. Not so I can keep it. Not so I can say I got six cars. So I can give them to Jesus. And I can have treasure in heaven. I'm going to end. Every, Christ, every 25th, we don't have, anyway, every 25th, and on the 25th, I'll be out giving all the widows a hamper so they can celebrate Jesus' birthday. Can't you just do something? You know, Pastor Tom and Pastor Bellani believe this. That's why they started Compassion Ministries. And you guys are doing a great job. I'm not criticizing you. I'm, I want to commend you. I think we're the only church in Harare who has put baptismal tanks and, and water tanks in prison and, and fixed the operating room in the hospital and all the great things that we do through Compassion Ministry. I commend you for that. And I really loved when the Mozambique pastors were there and they were on bicycles and Pastor Tom said, who would like to buy a bicycle? He needed 10 and about 20 people ran forward. Wow, that blessed my heart because you knew Jesus was going to be drive, riding a bicycle in Mozambique that you paid for. I'm going to end with Pastor Bonnie's song. And I want to show you what Jesus looks like today. And I'm telling you the truth as the gospel says it. I, I, I is what Jesus said. And then I'm finished. Thank you. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.